Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Reese has five fractured ribs and a collapsed lung. The ribs will heal in their time. I fell down a hill when I was 14 years old and broke multiple ribs, and everything hurts. Breathing yes. hurts. Right. And, and then on the night it happened, or maybe the next day, and I'm laying in bed immobilized, here come the hiccups. There was no pain I've ever endured in my life like hiccups on broken ribs. And I learned in that moment how to mentally harness your diaphragm and make the hiccups go away. Uh-huh. Yes, that was memory lane. The harness master lives again. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it was painful. I know. I was, was having memories of that throughout the day yesterday. Not nearly as painful as losing a spleen, I assume, but painful in its own special kind of way. Well, Ribs heal, spleens don't. No, well, yeah, uh, they they can heal, but unless they get removed and thrown in the trash, then they don't heal. So you know that's the issue there, but. Yeah, I, I, hey, uh, broken ribs. Like I, like we talked yesterday, I've never had broken ribs. I've had, you know, pulled muscle, strained cartilage in between those ribs there, and everything like that. Very uncomfortable. Um, yeah, spleen was maybe a little bit more uncomfortable, a more dull, annoying pain. But it got to the point, Mike, where I was like so much pressure in my abdomen and things like that when it did happen. I was truly at the point where I was like. If you got to take the machete out right now and cut me open, please do it. Cause like I, you know, I just, I couldn't breathe either. So we're back to breathing again, but um, I don't know why we're, I'm going down that memory lane there. Well, I, I led you down that path and yes, the ruptured spleen is a life threatening condition. The broken ribs aren't unless the ribs break off from the cage and rupture your spleen or some other organ. Now, That's when the broken ribs become yes, a problem. Now catheter down, down yeah. in that region there. The, ooh, with no medicine, that's an uncomfortable feeling. Let okay. me tell you about that. I remember right. that about that day. But good morning. I How didn't, you doing? <laughs> I, I didn't lead you in that direction, <laughs> nor will I ever. Good morning. It's Pro Football Talk Live on this Wednesday, the 18th day of November. We're on Peacock Live. We're on Sirius XM 211 Live. NBCSN, hello, future audience at 9 Eastern. Even more into the future, UK and Ireland, Sky Sports, NFL primetime podcast whenever wherever however we got a lot to get to today and there's a challenge chris that i am extending to you and to me and to our producer pete demolitis because we do airing of grievances on wednesday and i'm being completely transparent about this usually what happens is we get so caught up in the first two segments of hour one of the program we do airing of grievances in the third segment there's like two minutes that we have left because we talk too much in the first two segments. The challenge today for you and for me 
while still being as loquacious as we usually are on all subjects NFL, to keep an eye on the clock so that we do have some time. Because I have a grievance that has a few layers and levels. It's more serious than the usual grievance that I want to get to and I want to get your reaction to. So that's our challenge. All right, cool. The clock is running. Off we go. Let's do Uh, it. First topic today. And look, it's a Wednesday. There's not a huge story that's screaming out, we must cover it, other than this one. And we must cover what's gone on with Antonio Brown the past couple of days. Even though it hasn't caught fire the way that it should, the way that it could, or the way that it will, if the NFL does what it has the power to do in the aftermath of the news that broke late Monday afternoon that Antonio Brown was involved in an incident October 15 at the gated community in which he lives in Hollywood, Florida, where he allegedly broke a security camera, allegedly threw a bicycle at a security guard shack, and police, according to the report that was generated, had probable cause to charge him with misdemeanor criminal mischief. The president of the Homeowners Association decided not to. She said, among other things, that she feared retaliation against her staff. Yeah. Okay, fine. And it happened before he signed with the Buccaneers. And the Buccaneers quickly issued a statement, Chris, making it clear, no harm, no foul. This happened before we signed him. He's been a guy who complied with everything we wanted ever since we signed him. So they're not going to do anything about it. The question is, what is the league going to do about it? That's what we're discussing now. Because it came out yesterday that the league is looking into it, as obviously they would. I I never understand why the league's first reaction to something like this is, we're aware of it and we have no comment. Well, how do you have no comment? You have no comment? At least say we're looking into it, which is what they do the next day. First day, we have no comment. Then the next day, they say we're looking into it. And they leaked yesterday to one of their on-the-payroll in-house reporters at NFL Media. They didn't know about it before Antonio Brown was reinstated. That, Chris, is the thing that if the league wants to do it, they can suspend him immediately. They can discipline him swiftly because there is a clear obligation under the personal conduct policy to let the league know when you've been involved in an incident even, that may be grounds for disciplinary okay. action. All right. And he apparently didn't. But but even, Mike, and, and before you read the, the language here, even if there was no charges pressed or anything like that, it's still on the duty of the player to tell the league that there was an, an infraction at this point. I mean, I know it looks like it's Look, probably, re, re, You but, can read it. You can read it, Texas. Yeah. Can you read it, Texas? I can. Well, you're, you're, I was the, talking, the, the, so now I'm It's starting. right in front of you. Right. The answer to your question is I right mean, in front of you. I just, that's so broad. I, I mean, I, I don't. Yes, it I, is broad. Failure to report an incident will be grounds for disciplinary action. That's not broad. Here's what's broad. The obligation to report is, you know what's broad? The word broader. Broader than simply reporting an arrest. It requires reporting to the league any incident that comes to the club's or player's attention, which, if the allegations were true, would constitute a violation of the policy. So if it's true that the guy engaged in misdemeanor criminal mischief, if it's true he broke a security camera at a gated community in Hollywood, if it's true that he threw a bicycle to a security guard shack as part of some altercation and argument, if all that's true and the police were there, which they were, and at the end of the day they didn't charge him, that's not enough to escape the obligation to report it to the league, especially when you consider his history. And my guess is at some point someone from the league said to Antonio Brown, as they were resolving all these other issues, and there's still one significant unresolved issue with Antonio Brown, you know, a a civil lawsuit alleging sexual assault and rape. Somebody I assume, I hope, I would think, said to Antonio Brown, you better stay out of trouble. And if there's anything that happens that's even remotely resembling trouble, you have to let us know about it so we can look into it and decide whether or not we need to intervene and take action. And the fact that nearly a month, more than a month, 32 days went by from incident to when it became public. If the league didn't know about it. And again, it all comes down to what the league wants to do. They've set these policies up so they can do what they want, when they want, how they want. There's enough there, though. If they want to throw the book at him, they can. Yeah, I mean, you're right. There is enough there. They they can. I, I mean, first off, I. I mean, the, the league, NFL, PA, whatever. I mean, it, it doesn't sound like anybody knew about it. 
Second off, like secondly, second off. Secondly, I wouldn't think, you know, Antonio Brown. I, listen, I, I don't know of that rule. I have no idea. Uh, I, I was a player rep at one point. I don't know if players would register in their brain to call and for lack of a better way to say it, tattletale on themselves. Hey, guys, you know, uh, I didn't self-report themselves. I know I didn't get arrested, but I got in a lot of trouble here. I, I really, you know, towed the line of getting arrested, but didn't. I just wanted to report that and let you know. You know, that's not going to happen, and especially with a guy like Antonio Brown, who probably nobody has warned him of anything. But, yes, he knows he has to be on his best behavior. He's probably scared as hell when, the, when it all got done that day or whatever and going, oh, man, I hope nobody finds, this, finds out. I hope the NFL doesn't find out. I hope it doesn't break in the media, anything like that. So I would think his natural human reaction would be not to tell anybody, not the opposite, even though – you know, he's in a very weird situation in this this whole thing here because of the pending, you know, situation that you talked about. And that's why it's important to have competent people around you who provide you that's with true. advice. Right. Agents, lawyers who right. read the policies, who can look at the language that you and I just shared with the world, or at least anyone in the world who cares to be watching the show, and a reasonable person comes to the conclusion Anytime you get yourself on the fringes of an incident, at least let someone around you know so they can decide should this be reported to the league. Because it's always better if you let it be known on your own than if they find out. And they're always going to find out. This case is proof positive. They're always going to find out. It's always going to come out. Anytime there's a police report generated, there's going to be a mechanism, a pathway for that report to make its way into the mainstream attention span. Whether it's an industrious reporter who's looking through the police reports, somebody catches wind of it, there's a tipster, or there's somebody in the police department that has a friend with one of the newspapers. They have a good relationship. They get a fruit basket every Christmas. Whatever the case may be, they send along pol- police reports that maybe a reporter would be interested in. Right. They're public records. Right. Right. So I don't know that the average player has any reason to know about this other than the fact that the policy's out there. And I would like to think that when we are conscious of the Ray Rice situation and other high-profile personal conduct policy investigations and punishments like Ezekiel Elliott from a few years ago, I, you know, most guys never get in trouble, so it doesn't apply to them. Yeah. They're never going to get in trouble. That's the thing. We're talking about a policy that applies to a very small percentage of players. The vast majority of NFL players will not get in trouble, will not even get close to getting in trouble. Right. But the ones who have gotten in trouble and the ones who have been suspended, those are the ones for whom it becomes even more imperative, Chris, that they know and they understand what the rules are. And again, I doubt that the league didn't say to Antonio Brown at some point. I don't know this. This isn't one of those somebody told me and you can, you know, oh, you don't don't say that someone from the league told you. You can just couch it as your own idea. No, I, this, one, this is one where I am truly spitballing. But it seems logical to me that someone in the league office would have the foresight to say to Antonio Brown, if anything else happens, you need to let us know immediately so we can deal with it. And it doesn't emerge in the Miami Herald or some other publication, and we get caught flat-footed with questions yeah. from people who want to know what we think about something that we don't even know about. Well, I you know. didn't tell us. I, that's where it's it, it's uh, like I, I know, and I don't know if that message is conveyed. I really don't. I mean, I I I, I just I would wonder who comes out to say that, and then I just go back again to, you know, Antonio Brown there, October fifteenth, not on a football team, you know, dying to get back in the league. I just can't imagine your thought would be to call the NFL and again tell on myself. So why they could know, and then maybe when the Bucks start to, you know, get some of the business dealings with Antonio Brown, the league lets them know, hey, there was another incident, and I don't know, we don't know what this doesn't look good. To where now the Bucks go, all right, that's a, we we won't touch him, whatever. So he's he's put himself in a really tough spot, to where. You know, he's, well, yeah, because he got involved in an incident that's what I mean. that he shouldn't have gotten involved in. He's gotten in. involved in so many incidents that I, even if he did know that rule, he probably would be scared to tell people that 
and then doesn't want to tell people that because he wants to get on a football team. Other thing I want to ask you, Mike. Hang on. Wait, I got a question for you. I got a question for you. Because we live in a crazy upside-down time where the right thing to do has gotten lost. Oh, totally. In so many different ways. And this dovetails with what what I want to talk about later in the hour. But – Obviously, the right thing to do is don't get involved in any incidents where the police show up. That's the threshold general right thing to do. But when you find yourself in a situation like this, the right thing to do clearly, even though, Chris, you're saying the temptation is there to keep your mouth shut, the Mm -hmm. temptation is there to let nature take its course and get your contract signed and get back in the NFL, and this is something you've been working for and you've been persecuted by the NFL and why are they giving me a hard time? But yeah, 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 yeah. You can excuse it 50 different ways to Sunday, but, but what's the right thing to do? You tell me what's the right thing to do once you're involved in an incident yeah. when there's a clear policy that imposes on you an obligation to report it, what's the right thing to do? Yeah. The right the, would be to report it. Certainly. Right. Yeah. And let, you know, let them know like you're right. So they can kind of fight the battles they need to fight and do what's best, not only for them, but with you included involved with them in that business transaction. So I, I, I understand that it's just a, yeah, uh, this is a guy that's not exactly famous for the right thing to do. So, you know, <laughs> I, he will not go down in history as Antonio Brown did the right thing. Most of the time. No, that's not going to happen. Right, the other the aspect I want to ask you about this, Mike, because we talked about it a lot in the offseason and, 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 you know, Antonio Brown conversations. But, okay, so the NFL starts to look things up here and blah, 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 and they don't like what they see, you know, and they're on the fence about suspending them again or doing or taking action, and we know we got, you know, the civil suit pending down the road. You know, do they take into account the things you talked about so much, we both talked about, about how he served his time and then some, you know, as far as – a suspension is concerned with all the games he missed last year and this year. Does that get part of the conversation you think for the NFL? Well, I hope so. And see, this is where it becomes difficult for me because we start spinning different plates of righteousness. Like Mm -hmm. Antonio Brown should not be getting himself involved in these incidents. And he does have an obligation under the rules to report himself. But at the same time, the NFL screwed with him last year using this vague threat of putting him on the commissioner exempt list if he signed with a team as a way to keep him out of the league last year. They kept him away from a team. He wasn't employed because they were uncomfortable from a PR standpoint with the idea of Antonio Brown being in the NFL. Well, you never know what we're going to do about the commissioner exempt list. You never know. Well, are you going to put him on it or not? Well, we're not telling you whether or not we're put. That's up to you. So you may be paying this guy to not play for you. Hey, that's not our issue. That's yours. And what they did to him last year was wrong because he served a 14-game unpaid suspension as they took their good old time investigating the allegation of sexual assault and rape. And that's the strangest thing about his reinstatement. The thing that kept him out of the league last year, Chris, is the thing that they still haven't resolved. I know. That's why I I just wondered that that's not resolved yet. And, yeah, I mean, you're going to suspend him for something that, yeah, I, I just I, I wonder what their thought or how they're going to approach this. That, that's all I'm saying. It, it is extremely strange, uh, certainly. Yeah, here's how they'll approach it. Yeah. However they want, whenever they want, wherever Definitely. they want. And and look, the NFL's in-house justice system does not give me a ton of confidence. It is a PR tool masquerading as a device through which they do the right thing, right? It gets back to doing the right thing. No, they want to create the impression they've done the right thing, and sometimes that means – punishing a guy sometimes it means not punishing a guy sometimes it means this vague threat of the commissioner exempt list so you can engineer a situation where the guy isn't employed but you haven't had to suspend him so I don't like anything about the NFL's in-house justice system I thought it was misguided from the get-go it was a reaction to the Ray Rice situation but it gives them the power to do whatever they want to do and then they can work backward to, to justify it however they want to justify it under the terms of their various policies. A lot of companies do that. They have a stack of policies, yay high, that they can sift through and find one piece of paper that justifies letting them do whatever it is they want to do, regardless of whether it is the right thing to do. Here's Bruce Arians, coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, from yesterday talking about this latest Antonio Brown chapter. 
you have brought women into football in a way that other coaches don't. And some women's groups were were wondering why you would bring Antonio Brown in. Have you had conversations with anybody on that front? And what would you say to them about that? Yeah, I, I've answered I've answered that one a few times, Rich. And it's you know, trust me. I mean, I think what you said, the record of how I've pioneered for them. Just trust me in the fact that I'm gonna give this guy this chance, and it's it's just a chance. Um, and let all that handle itself in the courts and um all i can ask them to do is trust me on it yeah i see that didn't address the latest incident that's the pending incident the allegation of sexual assault and rape for which there were never criminal charges you can always pursue one of two avenues if you're the victim of of that type of conduct you can go to the police you can go to the civil justice system and Brittany Taylor went to the civil justice system, and yes, it is pending in the courts. See, that's the that's the way that Arians and the Buccaneers can kick the can through 2020 because he knows damn well the courts aren't going to issue a verdict in this case until 2021 at the earliest. It's due to go to trial in a few weeks. There's no way in hell it's going to trial in a few weeks. So we'll let the courts handle it. Well, they handle it. I don't know. Hopefully long after Antonio Brown is retired from football. That, that's, that's the game there. So uh, yeah, you're doing a certain amount of a deal with the devil when you sign Antonio Brown, Definitely. given the history, given the, given the pending allegation. Because if it's true that he committed sexual assault and rape of Brittany Taylor, I, I don't think he ever should play in the NFL again. I don't know. I mean, you should be in jail if it really is true, but there's levels of proof. Yeah. Sometimes you can't really uh, produce the objective evidence that resolves the he said, she said that is at the core of so many of these situations. But uh, th- there's enough smoke there that uh, uh, and look, the league decided not to reach a conclusion for whatever reason, Chris. So it's a complicated situation. A lot of it is murky. A lot of it is unclear. The one thing that is clear there was an incident on October 15 that, based upon the NFL's in-house media conglomerate, the NFL didn't know about. It wasn't reported to the NFL. If the NFL is so motivated to go after Antonio Brown again, it can. Now, look, based on its policies, it should if it wants to have true consistency in the application of the rules that apply to all players. The question is, will they? And yeah. We never know. Well, no, because we don't. It, it's always whatever they feel well, like doing on any given day. It's never consistent. That's what we know. I mean, you've explained that already. It wasn't consistent with the last suspension with Antonio Brown. So that's where I. That's why I was wondering, like, you know, maybe will they take that into account here with this situation? I don't know. The one thing I could sit there with right now, just what I really think about, is I. I, I already go. We're two weeks in or three weeks in. I just wonder if the Bucks are already going, man. Did, did we? What did we do here? I, I just wonder. I mean, you know, you got the, okay, we're going to change our game plan for the Saints and play away. We haven't played all year because we're going to, you know, I don't know, appease Antonio Brown and Tom Brady and everybody that way, get blown out, you know, go back to the way we want to play, kick butt. You know, everybody's happy. Oh, wait, this Antonio Brown thing's going on. Now we got to talk about that again and those issues. And you'd have to wonder – what else do we not know? I mean, that's the other thing that I would be very worried about with Antonio Brown. Are we going to hear something that happened on September 15th, too, here in a few weeks? I mean, that's where I would really be on the edge of my seat if I was a, a big-time player there in the uh, Buccaneers organization. Just, you know, when is that other shoe going to drop? Is there going to be another story we're going to have to deal with? Is there going to be another bit of information that's going to come out from the civil suit that looks really bad? And then we're just going to look bad in general that we got the guy on the team. I mean, they got to be thinking some of that right now. Um, and, you know, I'm still, I'm still shocked Bruce Arians did it. I really am. I'm shocked, but I'm not shocked. I'm shocked because – He was so steadfast against it, and it doesn't seem like it's his type of guy. I'm not shocked because Tom Brady's there, and, of course, we thought this might happen. If his behavior in the lawsuit that was sparked by the incident where Antonio Brown allegedly threw furniture off of a balcony at a Miami luxury condo and he was sued for damage done to the apartment, 
If his behavior in that litigation is any indication of what he'll do in this litigation, oh, it's going to go off the rails at that's some right. point. What ultimately happened in the other case, he lost a default judgment, meaning he was so uncooperative with the process, the judge eventually said, that's it. It's over. You lose. We don't need to go to trial. We don't need to have a, a jury come in and decide whether or not you did or you didn't damage this property. You lose because you have disrespected the process. Now we just have to figure out how much you owe. So, uh, and and that was, uh, you know, failure to comply, failure yeah. to produce information. And ultimately, right. when it's time for, for him to sit down and answer questions, he, and we've seen videos of different celebrities who get themselves in a deposition setting and they are just total buttholes without the butt, right? With a different word. <laughs> That's kind of how he was. And he had to go back and do his deposition again. So when it's time for him to be questioned aggressively by the lawyer who represents Brittany Taylor, that's when the whole thing could go off the rails and be not credible. That you could watch the video of the deposition, you could read the transcript and come to the conclusion, this guy's not innocent. This guy did something because of the way he's handling himself in this situation. So that's looming. Now, it's probably not going to happen before the end of the season, but it's going to happen before the case goes to a trial and that's the thing that the Buccaneers, if they're still employing him, Chris, or the NFL, if he hasn't retired from the league, that's the, the thing they need to get their hands on because they need to come to some conclusions based upon how he conducts himself in that setting. Yeah, uh, definitely. I, you know, this is where I, I just don't – the NFL, the process, everything with some of these cases, it just, I, I just feel like it's, it's got to change a little bit. It's got to be a little bit more you know, consistent, like you said. And I just – who knows where this goes? I really have no idea. Um, and and let, let me just yeah, say one last yeah. thing, and then we can take a break. At yeah, the core of all of this, very well, right? But it very well may be there's a mental health issue with Antonio Brown that's undiagnosed and yeah. untreated. That was why Drew Rosenhaus stopped representing him earlier this year. He he wanted Antonio Brown to get help, and Antonio Brown refused to get help. And there are families that struggle with this all the time, where you have adults who can make their own decisions who refuse to get help when they need help. That's right. And they engage in self-destructive behavior. And there are a lot of people in prisons throughout this country who at the at the fundamental core of their problem is a mental health condition. So, you know, we can only hope that at some point the light bulb flickers enough that Antonio Brown gets help if he needs it. But until then, he's expected to, to comply with the rules of a normal society. And one of them will be sitting for this deposition and giving truthful testimony. And one of them is, at least in the eyes of the NFL, reporting an incident if you're involved in one. So we'll see what the NFL does with that moving forward. Let's take a break when we return. Quarterbacks injured throughout the NFL. We'll give you updates on the biggest names that may be missing time when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. week said that his ball his arm felt especially live and that perhaps not throwing all week was something that he was going to talk to you about again have you had that conversation and are you willing to allow him to 
sort of forego throwing at practice a few days. We did have that conversation. I'll acknowledge it was a very brief one, and uh, I'll see him at practice on Thursday. <laughs> you know, I love it. It's it's still not clear whether or not Ben Roethlisberger was joking when he said, hey, you know, I didn't practice last week. Let me not practice this week. He already gets Wednesdays off. Yes. That's why Tomlin said, I'll see him on Thursday. So implicit in the response was the idea that Ben's already held to a lesser standard than everyone else. Every week on the injury report for Wednesday, Roethlisberger, Ben, did not practice. Right rest right it's never it's never injury related it was last week though with the knees and he was on the COVID-19 reserve list but uh, you know it worked out well but they they still want Ben to practice at least a couple of times a week Chris I mean we we all we all need to practice no matter how long we've been doing something and and uh I still don't know whether or not he was joking I have a feeling he had the opportunity to not practice every week he would take it I I doubt it I you know I, I think he is he's the type of guy where you know, he might not be the perfectionist maybe we see out of other Hall of Fame type quarterbacks, right? At least he doesn't come off that way to me. I don't know about you, but he doesn't seem like he's quite type A, obsessive, compulsive, maybe like a Brady or a Breeze or something like that. Now, when I worked in New England, Brady got Wednesdays off too. It's very common, you know, for those that type of quarterback or player that that late into their career. But Big Man has a reputation that way a little bit of being a diva. And I do think he's a guy that's, hey, he's just not stressed about it. I think he goes, man, I was put on earth to throw a football. One thing, you just put it in my hand, I'll be ready to go on Sunday. I just need to get out here and learn what we're doing. And, oh, they bring that blitz and all that. Throwing, no problem. I don't, I don't even worry about that. I, I really feel like that's his attitude. You know, I go back to last year when I visited him at training camp. So, well, what are you doing throwing in the offseason? I don't throw in the off season. What? Like I just couldn't believe that answer. Still to this day, I still I'm shocked by it. And, and that's where he's got a lot in common with Brett Favre. You know, Favre hated yeah all of the the practices. He hated the off season and 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 uh, he wanted to play in the games. Right. And you've got the other end of the spectrum where Peyton Manning loved everything about it. Tom Brady loves everything about it. Wants to be involved in everything about it. Every practice, every workout. We'll have more workouts beyond what we're supposed to do. Let's work out. Let's get ready. Let's work. Let's do it. Let's do it. And Roethlisberger's attitude is, let's just go play football. It's yeah. just football. And yeah. there's there's a middle ground there somewhere, maybe, where it's not this all-consuming obsession that overtakes your life. But... I don't know. Uh, Brady's got six rings, so maybe maybe the way to be truly successful at the highest level is to let it become an obsession that takes over your life. All right, Uh, quarterback injuries, and the most important one, Drew Brees, getting a second opinion to determine if he needs to go on injured reserve. Chris, my my assessment, and tell me if I'm wrong, not that you need an invitation to do so, my assessment when a player gets a second opinion is he didn't like the opinion that he got from the team doctors, whatever that opinion may be. He doesn't like it. A hundred percent. I mean, you don't really – really hear that a lot with NFL football players. I mean, you don't because, you know, you've talked about it before. We've had this discussion. Usually the NFL team in that city has the best doctor in the city to be there and be the guy that takes care of the football team and all of that. So, you know, it, listen, I, throwing shoulder, ribs, all those things, maybe he's being extra careful. But, yeah, I, I lean towards more of what you're saying. He didn't like what he was told. What I think is peculiar, Mike, or what I would like to know is just, did he not like what he was told in an aggressive way or in a non-aggressive way? You know what I mean? Did did they tell him, hey, we think you need to sit out a little longer? And he went, I don't like that. Let me go see someone else that might tell me I'm back quicker. Or was it the other way around where he went, wait, they're saying I might be able to come back this week and I don't feel that normal. Like, there's no way. This is really bothering me. Maybe I need to see another doctor. That's that's where I'm I'm interested to know which way we we are there. Based on the aggressive way that he was performing his thumb exercises last year during <laughs> his absence, my guess is he wants to get back on the field yeah. no matter what. And I think he's desperate at a minimum to reverse the perception that was created on Sunday that he tapped out and could have kept going. Right? And and Sean Payton did him a favor by making it clear, look, we've been together 15 years. This is the first time this has ever happened. He truly couldn't go. I think that it bugs him at some level that he was there in uniform. He played the first half. He kept playing after he took that hit. He, I think, you know, football players want to uh, be – It's hard. It's tough. It's the hardest and, thing to and do. It's, like, it's, 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 it's not about us. It's about the other guys who play football. Remember when Cam Newton was having his struggles – 
he said, yeah, you know, you hear it from the coaches, but also they look at you differently in the locker room. Guys talk. I think that may be influencing Drew Brees to create the impression he's trying to get back as soon as he possibly can, and that maybe the team is saying we need to shut you down for a few weeks. Yeah, I, I would not be surprised at that. It is hard to say I can't go anymore when you're in the football uniform and you know you can run and do some of those things, right? But you can't do, you know, as far as a quarterback's concerned, the number one thing you need to do to be a successful quarterback. It's hard to say no to that. You know, I, I, I separated my shoulder actually against New Orleans once, and, man, it was hurting me so much, and I couldn't throw the ball 10 yards. I was this close to still saying, I can go, coach. I was going to just screw the team over and go, I can go. It was my first start ever. You know, but but I, I knew I was like, man, I can't do this. I can't do this to myself and I can't do it to the team. And then, of course, with my spleen incident, I wasn't coming off the field. I wasn't tapping out. I could still throw coach. I'm breathing the hell with it. Let's go. It's hard. But Drew, I could sit here and tell you nobody has got that perception about you as tapping out. Nobody. I mean, I will defend you to the day you die in that one. He is tough as hell. He wants to be out there. He's got Brady breathing down his neck for all-time touchdown pass the record. He doesn't want any of that. to. He doesn't want to lose that. There's no way he doesn't want to play right now. So people are crazy if they question Drew Brees' toughness that way. I'm not saying they are. No, I'm saying that that's something that he would be worried about. I know. No I one know. is questioning his toughness. I know. I know. I think that he's getting the second opinion because he's got Sean Payton and he's got the Saints doctors saying – you need to go on into reserve for three weeks. Yeah, and right. it's Breeze saying, no, I want to be carried on the roster because I think I could be back in one week. And uh, when you look at the upcoming three you, games, the Saints probably think they can win them without him and yeah. let's let this guy get healed so he's 100% or close to it for the stretch run. Right. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. And that's where, Mike, I was going to ask you, do you think, like, you know, again, Drew, I think, is a very self-aware guy. He understands his standing in the history of football and all those things. I feel like he also would want to be thinking about, man, I don't want the backup to come in again for the second year in a row and go 3-4-0 and four and, four and oh without me. You know, it just it's not a great look, even though we all know there's more to it than one guy or anything like that. But, you know, people do look at Teddy Bridgewater last year and go, well, they went 5-0. and oh. They were still really good when he was in there. And I'm sure he hates that aspect of it too, and that's what's hard as a competitor. You don't want to start up those type of conversations. Remember back in week one, the first Sunday of the season, when the Saints were hosting the Buccaneers, it was Brady versus Breeze for the first time in the same division. Four or five different reporters had some version of the idea that the Saints were interested in Brady even after Breeze committed to playing again. I think Breeze knows that at some level of that organization, someone is thinking yeah. the time has come to push him away on an iceberg and right. move on. Right. And, and and remember when Sean Payton in the offseason let it slip that this is Breeze last year? Yeah. And then he had to come back and say, oh, wait, wait a minute, I misspoke. I misspoke. He didn't misspeak. Yeah. He didn't misspeak. This is last year. Right. Right? So and that's part of what he's fighting back against, too. And it's all normal. It's all natural. It's human. When you've been doing something as long as you've done it, no matter what you may have set up for when you retire, your identity continues to be professional football player. And the idea that you have to stop playing professional football while you still have 25 to 30 to 40 years of productive life left where you can do something, you just can't do that. It's got to be tough. Yeah. It's got to be tough. Uh, it's got to be agonizing. It's got it's got to be the kind of thing that just makes you uh, sick to your stomach all day long. So he wants to get back and play. He doesn't want the Saints to come to the conclusion they don't need him, and uh, and, and I can understand it completely. Nick Foles, day-to-day -day with a hip gluteus injury, far less serious than it looked when he was just kind of laying there motionless on Monday night after he hit the ground hard late in the loss to the Vikings and ultimately was carted off. I thought he wouldn't be back all year. He may be back for Week 12 Sunday right. Night Football against the Green Bay Packers because they're on a bye this week. Yeah, well, and then like they might really need him, right? Too, because we don't. Where, where's Mitchell Trubisky at and his, you know, injury and where he's at there? And then, and then they'd have to rely on Tyler Bray, who we saw at the end of the game, who, you know, hasn't really played NFL football, so that would be scary. Uh, I'm glad to hear that about Nick Foles. I really am. I mean, it seems more like anything he fell hard on that that right back you know, hip, butt, all that area. And then that way he kind of bent backwards. I was just watching it again last night on a highlight show where, man, it just it looks like he almost like spasmed as I watched him there land, like it all locked up, you know, like in some funny movie where you see the old guys like back lock up and he can't move. I mean, that's really what it kind of looked like. 
just from a quarterback standpoint, the one thing I'll say, it looked like it was right, it's right hip, right butt. For a righty quarterback, that's your push leg. I would say that's better than having it on your left leg where the, the leg you have to turn and twist into to where that might make it a little easier for him to get back and get going to, uh, but glad it's not serious for Nick Foles. I used to say about Jeff George, he had arm by NASA and body by Lego. <laughs> I don't know that Nick Foles has arm by NASA, but he definitely has body by Lego, and I think that's why. And and that's I, I have tremendous respect for him standing in there and taking the abuse he does. Yes. That is a long, lanky human being who is going to get injured. You just have to accept it. It's going to happen. He doesn't have that thick build. He doesn't have that instinct for avoiding contact or falling in a way or absorbing contact in a way that minimizes contact. Nor does he have Another an offensive guy. line or a pass protection plan, that's, so that's not helping That makes either. it even more brave right, right. to stand in there because he knows it's coming. Drew Locke, uh, potential franchise quarterback, but at the same time, he can't stay healthy. And I don't want to say much about the situation because the Broncos, in my mind, are done. They're done. It's over. The question is, after this season, what happens? Yeah. Is Locke the guy for next year? Does Vic Fangio stay? And at what point, at what point, if ever, does the spotlight of accountability shine on the guy who keeps hiring coaches and finding quarterbacks that aren't allowing the Broncos to break this cycle of losing, Chris? Yeah, no, I, I hear you, Mike. And uh, this is an important time for Drew Locke. You know, Drew Locke, we hit on it a little yesterday, I believe, but he's, he's got talent. He really does. You know, his arm is special. He's a good athlete, all those things. But, yeah, health has been an issue, and decision-making has been an issue. Way too aggressive. Really, these go hand-in-hand, hand too, because he holds the ball too long consistently waiting for big plays. He's got to learn to – Live to fight another play. Live to fight another day. Get the ball out of your hands. Not every throw has to be a 25-yard completion. And within that, you'll play better quarterbacking, let alone you won't get hit as much. You know, he's taking too many big shots, too, because he's always looking for the big throw. And he stands in there, and I give him a lot of credit, but he's beating himself up. And then a lot of the times, yeah, you give him your credit for standing in there, but the guy's not open. So don't stand in there anymore. Check it down. Get it out. He's really got to learn that aspect. It's a little polish to his game certainly need, is needed, and that's why I don't want him to miss time. He needs to play the end of the season here. He needs it so they can evaluate him, yep. and he needs it to get better himself. Absolutely. All right, let's take a break. When we return, Aaron, grievances for today. Uh, we have successfully, for the most part, saved enough time so I can meaningfully lay out. Here he comes. It has me concerned. It's not serious. Uh, this is actually a fairly serious topic. Okay, I won't It really joke is. Then. It really is a fairly right. serious topic. Okay. You, you will joke anyway. I just want everyone to understand. From my perspective, yeah. it's fairly serious. You'll find out what it is. What PFT like. I mean, what do you no, mean, I, honestly I, think? Like, could I have done any better? Of course I could have done better. You take it off. You know, don't nobody like losing. I know none of you guys are like losing. I'm pissed off. I'm pissed off at myself. I'm pissed off at the way we played. And and it's just, it, it frustrates me. It frustrates me to no end. Knock the ball down. We can't be interception-minded in that situation. Knock the ball down. I mean, you can find a smart Alec bus driver in Kansas City who made some snide comments when we got on the bus. Maybe that's why we drove around the stadiums to tick him off you know this is ridiculous next question John Gruden <laughs> I love how he said it with a smile on his face I, I and I also love how he says next question after yeah. he answers the I, question I will so say this great. like I can't imagine John Gruden trying to disrespect Andy Reid and the Chiefs I really can't you know he he coached under Andy Reid you know, they're friends. Right. I just I would have a right. hard time. I, I would really think it might be right there. So sorry, I don't they, want to They need to get on the phone. They need to get on the phone, though, because Reed seemed to be pissed off about it. Yeah. So they need to get on the phone yeah. and mend that fence. It's not, you know, Gruden's acting like people are making something out of nothing. No, Reed, Reed's the reason why yeah. it ended up on his radar screen. All right, here's what's on my radar screen. And we talked about this last week as it related to the firing of Amy Palsik, the director of of PR formerly with the Houston Texans. And it's the Jack Easterby conundrum in Houston. A guy who was hired as the VP of player development became the executive VP of football operations is now the interim general manager. And there are lingering questions about whether or not he truly has the credentials for the job and whether or not there is some embellishment, exaggeration, 
and or fabrication of past credentials that would boost his qualifications for the current job. Right. And I've got layers of concerns with this, Chris, and I've tried to organize it in my brain. Whether it comes out as organized is a different issue altogether. I'm concerned that, number one, and let me start with the basic problem. Because when I was growing up a very long time ago, and when I was in college, and, you know, it it was drilled into me, you never take liberties with your resume. Because, number one, they're eventually going to find out. And, number two, if there's any ambiguity, someone is going to ask questions. And if you are puffing in any way, it's, it's a cardinal sin. You don't lie about your experiences. You don't exaggerate your experiences. And, look... I don't know that Jack Easterby has intentionally and affirmatively lied about his experience to help get the job that he now has, but there's questions out there that have not properly been asked or answered or drilled down upon from his characterization of his experience with the Jaguars in 2004 when his online bio with the Texans previously said he was the assistant to the director of football operations. And then at some point after I started asking questions about that to people in the league who know him, It changes. It gets cleaned up. And then I asked the Texans, when was it cleaned up and why was it cleaned up? And frankly, their official statement is not factually accurate as to when it was cleaned up because they said it was cleaned up a year ago. And I know for a fact that the thing that rose or gave rise to the question was there in March of this year. Little things like that. When will that be explored? Does anyone care? Why doesn't anyone care? Why isn't anyone bothered by the possibility that there was overstatement of the background of this person who holds a very important job with one of the 32 NFL franchises. And there's more. Let me just mention two others. Yeah. And, and this, one, this one to me is genius. The impression has been created that Jack Easterby worked for the Chiefs for two years. He didn't work for the Chiefs. He never worked for the Chiefs. He was never paid by the Chiefs. He provided free services to the Chiefs. They paid for his travel to and from Kansas City on the weekends, but at the time he was working for Newberry College in one of the Carolinas, I think South Carolina, as an assistant athletic director. Here's the genius. His time with Newberry College is never mentioned. His time working there is never mentioned in this Texans online bio because what that would potentially do is cause someone to realize he didn't actually work for the Chiefs. Right. So you sacrifice your your experience with Newberry as an assistant AD So you don't undermine the perception that you actually work for the Chiefs when you didn't work for the Chiefs. Now, he did work for the Patriots, but not in a personnel capacity. And Bill Belichick earlier this week asked the question by Houston media because the Patriots and the Texans play each other this week. Belichick said he's not a personnel person, which, look, it's a big deal in Houston because the team stinks. I think if the team was good, nobody in Houston would care. But my understanding is the Houston media is talking about it. Houston fans are upset about it. And. And I I don't think it's because of the right thing to do or any of these issues. It's because the team stinks and he's identified with one of the reasons why the team stinks because he's identified with the trades that have helped make the team stink, Chris. So I don't know that the people who are up in arms about Jack Easterby in Houston are up in arms for the reasons they should be. Here's why it bothers me. It bothers me because you've got somebody who potentially is not qualified to hold a lucrative job, an important job, a powerful job, an influential job with an NFL team. There aren't many of those jobs out there. There are plenty of qualified people, people far more qualified than Jack Easterby. He's taking a spot that someone else should have, that someone with better qualifications, real qualifications to be an executive VP of football operations, an interim general manager should have. And at a time when the NFL is doing everything it can to promote and expand minority opportunities at the highest levels of the sport, should it not be troubling that there probably are many minority executives with NFL teams who have infinitely more qualifications than Jack Easterby who should have the job that he currently has? That's the problem. So even if we set aside the questions that are unanswered regarding whether or not he actually engaged in resume embellishment. And there's one more that I didn't mention. The Greatest Champion Foundation, a nonprofit that he's part of, had on its website before it went down for maintenance a claim that he's been entrusted with dozens of head coaching searches for major universities and mid-major universities, dozens. And then they changed it to say more than 50 before they pulled the plug on the website. 
The guy's been out of college for 15 years. How are you entrusted with over 50 head coaching searches? That's a question that needs to be answered. So my ultimate point is this. Regardless of whether or not there's irregularities, and I think there are irregularities that need to be addressed, this is somebody who, when you objectively look at his qualifications, Chris, he should not be in the job that he's in. Definitely and not. there are other people out there in the football business who deserve to be in that job. And that's what's fundamentally wrong with this picture. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, agreed. I mean, everything you, you said, agreed. Especially, you know, the, the aspect of, you know, yeah, it, it seemed like he's, for lack of a better way to say it, conned his way into this position that he's in specifically right now. And not to say he's not qualified to work in an organization. I mean, obviously, there was something that Bill Belichick and Billy O'Brien liked about him to want him to be there that felt like he was qualified in some capacity. But there's no way it's this what he's doing right now. And it is ridiculous, especially with the issues of minority hiring and the fact that we don't have more people of color in those power positions. And now we're going to let this guy who, yeah, it certainly seems like he fabricated you know, his, his, uh, we don't know. We, we it has, I, I but know. it needs to be, inve it, it the needs thing to be is, investigated. And, I'm just saying and, at and, eye and, level right, right now, topical, right. it just seems that way. Yeah. We don't know. Um, but my, my, my internal, situation. my internal crap filter yeah. is, is, uh, is, is, is engaged. It's, it's a there's weird, something that doesn't smell right here. It's a weird thought about him around football. Listen, there's a faction of people that like him. And, hey, yeah, Jack's great and blah, blah, blah. I don't really ever hear what he's great at, okay? so And, and again, I don't know him, so I'm, I'm trying not to be a jerk or anything like that. But I also, within that small faction of that likes him, you know, there's also another group out there that I get texts from people around the NFL, Mike, all the time when you start talking about this because they're happy you're bringing light to this. I think there's a lot of people in football that think – Again, for lack of a better way to say it, think he's a fugazi and nobody's calling it out and they love that you are. So, well, and let me yeah, say this. This right. is the other thing that bothers right. me because I hear from people too. And I hear from people in the media, not local media, national media. And there are people in national media who refuse to address it because they want to preserve their access to Jack Easterby. See, he can be a very useful ally. He can provide you with information about the Texans. So these people who make their living giving us a five-minute heads-up before something gets announced by a team, they don't want to piss Jack Easterby off because he's a golden one of their various golden geese. I don't care about that stuff. I care about what I think is right and what I don't think is right, and I think there's something here that isn't right on various levels. And uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not afraid to say so, Chris. So I, I, and, I th and it bothers me that it's not a bigger deal. Yeah, I, I understand. I mean, it's it's a very high, important position in the organization, and we don't really know the qualifications of the guy or how he got there, and does he really deserve it? It's wrong. All right, got to take a break. We're going to take a look at power rankings when PFT Live continues. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.